Welcome to How Leaders Lead. I'm Kula Callahan here to bring you another edition of Three More Questions with David Novak. David, we've got a fun one today. How you doing? Are you excited about it? <laughs> am I ever not excited talking about our guests? <laughs> of course I am. You know, and today we're going to dive into my conversation with Jim Fish, the CEO of Waste Management. You know, Jim is a very accomplished leader. Uh, the company has performed very well, and I just love the fact that he really believes in putting his people first and and uh, building a strong culture that that will drive results. I love in the episode when he talks about the fact that he still today as CEO goes out with the waste management team members who are in the trucks driving around picking up people's trash. He gets in the trucks with them and drives around just to keep a constant pulse on the organization and to make sure that he's actually hearing and understanding what's going on with his employees. I just think that is so cool. I think it's great when leaders stay grounded by really understanding what the front line does, understanding what their issues are, and then making sure that you remove all those obstacles and barriers that are making their job more difficult. And, you know, Jim really walks the talk on that. He really does. Well, I'm excited to dive into our questions for today. Let's get going. Question number one. Early in the episode, Jim shares that leadership doesn't start with your career or your company. It starts in your formative years. And for most people, they get their leadership instincts from their parents. David, you ask every guest this question, but I've never asked you on our show. So I want to hear from you today. What's a story from your childhood that shaped the way you lead today? Well, when I was a kid, my dad was a government surveyor. And we lived in 23 states by the time I was in the seventh grade. So we would move every three months and we took the government surveying party and their families with us. And we'd go from trailer park to, to trailer park. And my mom would check me into schools and say, hey, David, you better make friends because we're leaving. And I think the fact that I had to go into those schools every three months meet new people, figure out who I wanted to hang with, who I didn't want to hang with, really helped me become a people person. And my mom always told me, David, you're, you're only one friend away from happiness. And boy, was she right. Because as soon as I found that friend, I started to like that school and things were, were, were positive until the, the moment we moved. I love that. How do you think that being a people person has helped you succeed as a leader? We would always have people planning reviews at Yum Brands, and that's where we would assess the strengths and weaknesses of each one of our leaders. And, you know, someone would talk about, let's say, Sally or, or, or Joe, and I would say, you know, I bet Sally has a hard time when she gets thrown into new situations. And then I'd say, you know, I bet Joe, I bet you Joe's not very good at handling productive conflict. And people would look at me and say, how do you know that? Because that's, those are the two biggest, those are the issues that each one of them have. And I just say, I don't know, but I do know that I get those instincts. And nine times out of 10, I hit the issue right on the nose with not a whole lot of data. Now, the big issue for me is not to jump to a hundred percent conclusion without making sure that I have all the data, but my instincts were damn good. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are right about that. You do have some damn good instincts, David. And it's so fun to even now just looking at the people you surround yourself with. I mean, you have some diverse friends and there's diverse people in your life that you learn from and that you glean insights from. And so I think, you know, 
That's definitely a characteristic that has stayed with you. And part of the reason why it's so fun to work with you too, because you just get people and you're fun to be around. And I think that's a real asset for someone in your position. Well, thank you, Kula. And and while we're on this subject, I got to tell one other story. You know, when I was moving around and and my mom was checking me into all these schools, one of the little small towns we lived in was Dodge City, Kansas. And my mom went in and they had a parent-teacher conference and Mrs. Ann Schultz was my fourth grade teacher. And, and my mom said, you know, I just feel really bad having to move David every three months into all these different schools. And Mrs. Ann Schultz said to my mother, she said, you know, Mrs. Novak, do you realize that your son is getting the best education of anybody in his class, and I would say in anybody in the fourth grade in the United States because of all the exposure he's getting and the things that he has to do and the learning he gets when he goes into these new schools. And, you know, she just flipped the script for my mom. And my mom, I think from that point on, always felt a lot better. And, and she'd say, okay, we're moving. You better go find a new friend. That's a great story. And I mean, Mrs. Ann Schultz was right. You really did get a very worldly education, even at such a young age. I love that. People would say, how could you succeed in an environment like that? Living in a trailer park, moving all the time. I always say that I succeeded because of that environment. And that's the absolute truth. Well, that shows you the power of flipping the script, David. And you did that well at fourth grade and you do that well now too. All right. Question number two. Jim says that for the most part, people don't quit their jobs because of compensation reasons. He says they quit their jobs because they don't like the people that they work with. What would you say to leaders who argue against that and think that compensation is the most important retention factor? Well, first of all, you have to pay competitively or you're going to lose good people. So, you know, you can't go on the cheap and expect to keep very talented people. But let me tell you something. This has been quantified again and again and again and again, over and over and over and over. And there are two reasons why people leave companies. The first reason is they don't feel appreciated. They don't feel appreciated for the hard work that they're putting in. The second reason is they don't get along with their boss, which is part and parcel with the first reason because the boss is not making them feel appreciated. And I can tell you, this is the case every time we've ever had exit interviews and anytime anyone's wanted to go out and actually quantify this on a, on a national basis, Gallup polls show this, everything that I've ever seen shows this to be a fact. So yeah, you got to be competitive with compensation, but that's not the reason you keep people. You keep people because you make them feel appreciated for what they do and you have coaches, not bosses. Even looking back on my career, it's always been that that is the reason I've left a job. It hasn't been because of compensation. It's just been for one of those reasons. And so I can see how some people would think, oh, well, we pay really well, so we don't need to worry about this person ever leaving. But that is such a limiting belief. And it actually ends up being pretty hurtful to your retention play if compensation is the only metric that you're looking at in terms of keeping employees happy. You know, the other thing, Kula, that I think ignites people's desire to, to leave and move into a new situation is just the desire for growth. 
you kind of stall out. You don't see the growth opportunities and you want to go somewhere else and grow. So I, I think that's a that's also an, a very important factor to think of. And that's why you got to invest in the development of your people and make sure that they know that you're committed to helping them become the best they can possibly be right where they're at. That's why we do this podcast, to help people become better leaders and to make it easy to develop their people. Good point. Question number three. Waste Management is obviously a successful company. And in the episode, you asked Jim how he keeps his team motivated to have what you call a healthy dissatisfaction with the status quo. He says he tries his best to weed out apathy by creating a sense of urgency for his employees. When a company is doing well and growing, David, how can a leader create that same sense of urgency that continues to drive performance? Well, I think the the first thing that the leader needs to do is really identify the opportunities that are out there that need to be pursued. And if we pursue those and execute well, we will really grow the company more. And then by growing the company more, you're going to advance in your career. You know, the, the stock's going to perform better. You're going to benefit financially. And it's just a win, win, win all around. Now, a lot of times, you know, people get ahead of their plans. And in situations like that, I always say, congratulations. But then you start appealing to their pride. You know, pride is the biggest motivator of all. And you say, okay, look at that performance that you've done. You're blowing your plan away. How do we take it to the next level? How do we really show people what we're capable of? Because you know what? People really get excited by great performance. Nobody wants to be mediocre. People want to perform and know that they can outperform other people. And, and that's why once people started to reach their goals, I would move the goalpost and say, hey, look, this is where we need to go next. And let's have fun doing it. But it's that excitement, that enthusiasm for what you're capable of that I think leaders tap into. I think Tom Brady is a great example of this. You did a two-part episode with him, and it's so motivating to hear how he just never quits. You would think after Super Bowl number one, you know, that's the big enchilada, right? Someone's done after one Super Bowl, but he just keeps driving and not literally moving the goalposts on the football field, but keeps making his dreams bigger. And it's so motivating to be led by someone who has that mindset. And the impressive thing about Tom Brady is he not only motivates himself, but he understands what makes the people on his team tick as well. And he talks about Julian Edelman, who who basically didn't want to hear how great he was. He wanted these pushed in, in terms of, you know, how you get better or you could run this route this way or that way and, be, and perform at a higher level. But Tom knew his players, knew what made him tick, and he would either prod them or give them the pat on the back, depending on what type of situation they were in and what type of uh, motivation that person really preferred. Well, you always say that joy comes in continuously learning. So I think moving that goalpost is just another example of helping people continue to grow and develop into the leader and the employees that they know that they can be. That does it for our episode of Three More Questions today. Thanks again for tuning in to How Leaders Lead. We're on a mission to make the world a better place by developing better leaders. And if you carve out a little time with us each and every week, we'll help you build the confidence you need to lead well. And tune in Thursday as we dive into my conversation with Jeff Colvin, Fortune Magazine's senior editor-at-large and the author of two of my favorite books, Talent is Overrated and Humans are Underrated.